Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Vavil Women's Football Podcast. I am Adam Elizabeth, I'm joined by Aaron and Connor for the first time. He wasn't there for the first episode, he was here for the time when we tried to record the second episode and had a load of technical difficulties. And then we've had a massive break due to coronavirus. But we're back for the second episode. There's been a lot to talk about this week, so I think we really had to get one. Uh, before I start though, if you are in any way interested in Newcastle or Arsenal, I have to plug that uh, Aaron started one called Tyne Warp. It's on Spotify, Vavil Newcastle United. Find it on there. Don't know if it's on Apple Podcasts yet, because they can take quite a while to uh, sort everything out with that, but it is available on Spotify to listen to. So the big piece of news I think we're going to start with came yesterday, and that was in a statement from the FA that all leagues in the FA Women's National League set up have been declared null and void with the results completely expunged. I'm going to give my view on it first. And that's that I don't think we'll ever really be able to find a perfect solution to this. Everyone knows it's such a a weird problem that, of course, has never happened before where you've just had to completely do something to stop a league or, or carry on a league. No one knows. I don't think it was the best way that they did it. I'd seen a lot talk about points averaging and that probably would be the best way to sort it for all the leagues if they needed to stop them and carry on the next one. Because the likes of Sunderland were 11 points clear at the top and doing a very good job in their league. Uh, Crawley were doing well and I think they were 9 points, but uh, Watford below them had games in hand on them. I'm not 100% sure on that, but there are a couple of teams throughout the leagues now who basically it's all for nothing. In men's football, you have Vauxhall Moses, who've already won their league, and that title means literally nothing. And even today, uh, from the non-league news that I follow, the Northwest Counties Football League have basically written to the FA to say that this was the wrong decision. A couple of clubs have said that. So I think I'll go on to Connor first, because you haven't spoken yet on this uh, podcast. What's your opinion? Um, uh, I think that it, it's kind of stupid to declare it all null and void. Um, it just, it's just, it's a bit insulting to people that have put in so much effort and especially in the men's game, like money into it and just to declare it null and void is silly. I think, um, the points per game average would, like you say, there, there is no perfect solution, but I think that's probably the best of a bad bunch of solutions. Because I don't think it doesn't look like there's going to be time to play it, especially with the way contracts work. But but you can't have it. You can't have however many weeks it's been of the season for nothing. I think that's a bit a bit silly. I think in the men's game, like you said, that the Northwest Counties League are written to the FA. I know teams like South Shields, who are in the Northern Premier League, twelve points clear, all but champions. There'll be a legal challenge from them because they put a lot of money into it. I don't think in a women's game that the sort the money is there to have a legal challenge, but if South Shields and those sort of leagues are successful and something changes, then that would set a precedent. The fact that they're all under sort of that FA banner would mean that you can't have one rule for the for men's non-league and another for the women's. So I think that's probably the best hope that teams like Sunderland have. Like you say, Sunderland eleven points clear, 
with a game in hand over second. And they reached the, the fifth round of the FA Cup and the only loss of Birmingham um, in the 85th minute, 1-0 uh, free kick um, from Lucy Stainforth. So it's just not fair, is it? That's, that's what I think. That obviously it's not fair. Like you're never gonna reach a decision that will please everyone. But I feel like this was the easiest decision for them to make. But not the right one. Because you look at like a team like Sunderland who were a, like and like produced some of the best players in the England setup from their academies. And now they're like obviously uh, they were topped by a considerable amount and they were trying to get permission to get into uh, the championship. But obviously now that's just not going to be possible. And they'll have put a, a decent amount of money into the uh, setup to try and get it back to where they were. They've got some good players as well. But <clears throat> I, I just feel like it was such a coward act uh, for the leagues to take. Yeah. Sunderland is a weird one because I, I feel like they probably got the most unlucky history with the FA going. You can have uh they went from being a WSL club to in twenty seventeen eighteen where it came to applying for licenses they didn't get a license, so went all the way down to the third tier to be replaced by West Ham who were a third tier side at the time. They've got a pretty West Ham's history is a bit varied to say the least, in everything that's happened, so I can't remember. And then Brighton also came up, and it's a bit like they have been done over by the FA so many times, Sunderland, that it's bad for them, because, like you said, they've produced so many good players over the years. Just off the top of my head, Lucy Bronze, uh, Beth Mead. Jill Scott. Jill Scott, yeah. Pretty Steph Hartland. I did a piece on it all the way back in September. It's it's crazy the percentage of players in the Lionesses squad that are from the northeast. It it's pretty much relevant. I think there's something that there's like one player that was born below Nottingham, who was at the Women's World Cup. No, two, Leah Williamson and uh, Alan Light, and Sunderland in the northeast is probably like the main heartland for players. It's slowly transforming, actually, to Sheffield, if you look at it geography-wise, but they've been done over so many times and they've got such a rich history. It's just a shame for them that they're not going to get the chance to play in the second tier because uh, with Melanie Copeland this year, they've done so well, got so close to promotion. They would have been a good addition to the second tier. For them, it must be absolutely heartbreaking for the players as well when you put in so much time so much money you've had to go through all the fixtures that have been postponed just to rain anyway and then to have it it stopped it's horrible what's already happened for the national league today it came out in an article from katie wyatt for the telegraph that barnsley women's chairman said that there were no discussions nothing and there was nothing with the clubs in the men's non-league i think it was the national league and the national league north and south clubs who voted to have the league stop went to the FA and those leagues haven't even been stopped but everywhere from step three downwards has in the men's national league and all the women's and it's a bit like if there weren't any conversations at all there's not a one-size-fits-all approach that you can go for this 
and it would have been better for them to have the conversations sort it out properly with the clubs and they could have come to a much better thing i think points averaging like i said would have been the best everyone's got the different opinions nothing's gonna suit everyone but this is the worst way yeah i think i think everyone would agree on that just on on sunderland i don't know if you saw but in the guardian the other day um susie rack wrote that a lot of the fa are kind of preparing for um some super league teams and championship teams to sort of not survive this in terms of money so if that were the case there'd be spots available higher up for teams like someone to maybe apply for licenses but i mean it's not, it's not really the way that anybody would want it to be decided the fact that, that they would only get promoted because somebody else has suffers but that might be a bit of a lifeline but but like mm-hmm. you say not ideal it's a crazy situation london bees are all ones who really look worrying at the moment with Barnet being as bad as they are and doing a situation of redundancy already for all their staff. It's the first thing that's going to go. Uh, Fylde, I think, they're doing really badly in the National League this year. Yeah, second bottom, they've lost Danny Rowe. They've had none of their spark. And their chairman came out and said today that they are still supporting their women's team history is a thing to go off it's probably going to be the first thing that goes because it always is it was like Sunderland they dropped all the way down to league one they couldn't keep the financial funding up for the women's team well we've got our list of things see people probably don't think that these are as actually organized as they are. they're not that organized to be fair but I have got a, a document with notes and you've mentioned it there so I'm gonna go straight on to the euros we've had the Olympics moved We've had the men's Euros moved. We've had no communication at all about the women's Euros. I think with the Olympics now moving, uh, I can't remember where I heard it, but someone at UEFA said that it was pretty much going to be 2022. With the Olympics now moving, it's the right decision that you can take in my eyes because there's no way that you're going to fit so many things and in England, if they'd done Euro, men's Euro 2021, women's Euro 2021, a lot of the grounds wouldn't have coped with it that are being doubly used for it. And then you've got clubs like Man United who have Old Trafford being used. And they've then got that straight in October after the season starts. They've got the Rugby World Cup on it and it'll be so bad for the pitches that a lot of the clubs would have probably pulled out and not wanted it it'll be weird to see what happens with venues actually because by then Knott's Forest ground will be uh, renovated and be available to use so who knows we might see the city ground back in that's complete speculation do you think it was the best decision that was made uh, uh, I don't know uh, uh, I, don't, I don't really know to be honest. Like, I do think you have to move it back, like just for a logistical point of view, really. And I know, like, everyone just wants it played as soon as possible, but you can't have everything, like every sport event, being played at the same time. It, it just doesn't work from you and figures' point of view, from uh, like grounds' point of view. 
and like from athletes' point of view as well. Yeah, I know when um, the men's Euros was put back for next year, and then people were saying how um, that if they had the men's and the women's Euros at the same time, it you know there might be a if the men's leads into the women's, then there might be a bit of a spillover in terms of audience. But I, I don't think I see it like that. I think um, it would be a bit of fatigue, like Aaron says. Like you can't have everything on at the same time. Like I don't think that. I mean, there is obviously is a big appetite for football, but is there that big appetite? But now, if the Olympics has moved back as as well, and exactly, you can't you can't have you can't have it all at, at once. But like you say, you know, we don't work for UEFA. It's, it's, I don't envy their task. It's kind of impossible. And with it being an impossible task, another difficult task that has been talked about a lot is Phil Neville's contract. Because there was a lot surrounding it of what's going to happen. That ends in 2021 after the Euros were meant to have finished. If they get pushed back, what's that going to mean for him? Does that give the FA a reason where they may think actually it's time to let him go? Because I think they were keep they were going to keep him on for the Euros. That was the plan. With it being so far away now and his contract probably not even covering that what's going to happen do you think and do you think it would be the right decision to for him to go or do you think something else would be better i think it'll be a blessing in disguise that the euros have to get pushed back again so then the fa have they have like a, a loophole to get rid of them without facing much backlash or anything at all really just because i know the players come out and say he's training's good he gets on with everyone he's a good man manager but he's not a good manager tactics and he he's he's had this job now for a number of years and still just every game we get worse at defending crosses and set pieces he like nullifies all our best attacking players going forward and just makes us such a boring team to watch so i I think they have to get rid of him i I mean i i agree i've been sort of never out for quite well not quite a while but since since definitely it kind of after the world cup where we just went backwards um and I, I i can see it being a blessing in disguise but it's like it's also you know, there's also a big debate about like what comes next because i think there's no i mean there are obvious candidates but are they gonna want to to come into the england job i think that's another question but you know i mean it just because that would be difficult to find someone to replace him doesn't mean he's the right person for the job i think yeah, I wouldn't. I'd prefer it if somebody else was in charge for the Euros. Um, right, the next one that I've got is on Lucy Bronze. This is a multifaceted point. The first one is this week she got uh, BBC Women's Player of the Year. She beat Megan Rapino and Viviana Miedema to the top spot. Miedema second, Rapino third. Do you think she was the right? Uh, person voted by the public it was voted by the public so at least it's uh what do I mean like it's more the opinion of the majority of people but do you think it's the right one lucy bronze the best player in the entire world i think so um i think she's she had a fantastic 2019 as well i know that she said in her interview with the bbc that at the time she she kind of didn't didn't think so because of the way it all ended with England in the World Cup, but 
she kind of she was the best player for England at that World Cup. I would say. Um, I know people you could you could say Ellen White, but for me it'd be uh, Lucy Bronze. She sort of dragged us to the semi-finals a little bit, and um, domestically for Leon, she's had or she had an amazing season last season, winning pretty much everything like like Leon do, becoming quite a, a vital member of that that team. So, yeah, and then Megan Rapinoe second, and it's been said a lot that obviously what Rapinoe has done for the game is amazing, and like as a personality, I, I'm a really big fan. But um, on the pitch, obviously America, the US won the World Cup, and she was part of that squad. But domestically, she's not really played that much, so you can't. It's difficult to make an argument for her. Miedemar, yeah, again, she's. I think she will win it eventually because she's still quite young. So her time will come. So for me, yeah, bronze is definitely the the right choice. So I voted for. So no, I feel like with it being the BBC awarding it out, and uh, if that's where you like them handing the award out and the voting, I think Lucy Bronze is always really gonna be favourite to win it, just with how well she did with Leon, how well she did the World Cup, and like it's it's really public knowledge, like outside of the women's game now, like how good of a player she really is. But I voted for Miedemar to be fair, just because I think how she, her goals like dragged Arsenal to the league. I thought I think she's just a unbelievable player really, and uh, but I always thought Lucy Bronze is was going to win it. It's just one of those things where you can kind of tell the public, not many people outside of the women's game will know who Miedemar is really, never mind how good she is. Uh, and then I feel like there's a, a slight vendetta against Megan Rapinoe. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't like her for the way she talks and comes across in interviews. It doesn't appeal to everyone. But I'm happy with Lucy Bronze winning it because she's an equally good player as mm. well. I personally voted for Miedema. For a player, it's just crazy when you go and actually look and she's only 23. And you look at the stats and how you score that many goals. Off the top of my head here, I'm trying to... I've, I've got this on Wikipedia. I'm doing the mental maths. Uh, over 140, over 150 domestic goals. And already the top scorer for the Netherlands. To start playing at the top level in the Netherlands at age 14. And to be playing with players who are double your age. Is pretty good going, to say the least. And the number of goals, you don't think that a 23-year-old would have a country like the Netherlands, their top goal-scoring tally. But it's the sort of player who, when you watch isn't anything super special all the time when you watch her play but she will score if that ball is anywhere near a scoring position i know when i watched her at man city man city were one of the few teams who were able to stop her scoring because they're quite good defensively but everyone else no one stands a chance but i get what you mean about the whole bbc thing it was a an england centric vote with of course what the BBC is, and if you speak to the average English person, they'll know Lucy Bronze, they won't know me doing. If it was an international one, it'll probably be Rapino that won it, because it's a major world figure, if you know what I mean, but 
Medium was probably the most deserving, in my opinion. Right, so... We talked about Lucy Bronze being the player of the year. What we haven't talked about that is down here is... Where will she be this time next year in terms of clubs? Uh, she did a live stream with Alex Scott this week where she talks about how long she's got left at Leon. Her contract is up in June. So her contract probably won't see her through to the end of the season now. Uh, that's just a whole different topic on itself, what you do with contracts. But what are they going to do in terms of where do you think Bronze is going to be? Where is she going to move? Is she going to extend it at Leon? Do you think of move somewhere else? I think all she said is that she isn't going to Real Madrid. Because she said that someone had done like a, an edit of her in a Real Madrid kit. And she said it was actually a good edit, but it wasn't true. Where do you think? What do you think will happen? I personally, I don't... Um, leaving Leon would be a massive, massive shout. Like a massive um, decision to take. I think back in the day when Manchester United, in the men's game, this is when Manchester United were so dominant. Alex Ferguson always used to say to a player that wanted to leave that the only, the only, um, the teams that you're going to go to is a step down. And it, I think it's the same for Leon at this point. If you leave, then it's a step down. So when she's arguably at the peak of her powers, would she want to take a step down? I mean, um, the only thing is that I think. Um, Izzy Christiansen, who moved from Leon to Everton, um, said recently that at Leon it's it's not like the most f fun environment to be in, and everybody's quite. I, I don't think there's that much of a team spirit, and uh, and uh, it's not really. An, obviously, it's enjoyable because you're winning trophies and stuff, but but if you know what I mean, there's there's not that that spirit and good feeling yeah. around the club. So I think maybe she's a bit of fatigue because of that because she's been there for a few years. I can, I can think maybe that's the reason why she would leave but if she wants to continue winning Champions Leagues and, and stuff then Leon is really the only place for her mm. if, I, if I was advising her I think that's what I would I would say to her hmm. I think money wise and prowess wise no one can compete with Leon. but the other thing is if you're a footballer at your peak right now the French league is not the best place to be. It's not fully professional. There are a lot of the disparity between the teams is crazy. You've got PSG, who are the only real team who can compete at all with you. And it must be boring playing in a league which is so two team. That WSL isn't perfect, but at least on their day, most teams can put up a good fight against other teams. Even your Birmingham's and your Brighton's. Bristol, yeah, we see your big score lines, but and the whole uh, team spirit thing at Leon, it's very like Izzy Christiansen said, it's all about winning, which helps with getting titles, but maybe not the most fun environment to play in, which could be a reason to move. Aaron, what do you think? I think she'll stay at Leon, but I would love to see her back in the WSL. Just how you always want to have the best players in the English leagues, but I I can't say I'm leaving Leon. Whenever she does an interview out there, she always seems quite settled and stuff. And you talk about the mentality, not the mentality, the mood in the camp, not being very friendly and 
Happy One and stuff like that. But Lucy Bronze always comes across as a very competitive and football first, have fun afterwards. So I think that sort of environment will probably push her on to being an even better player than what she is. So I do think she'll extend her contract there uh, another couple of years. And then hopefully she does come back to the WSL uh, in the near future. Be great to see her back. How she'll uh, fare now that the league's progressed even more since she's left. But I'm not sure what team she would go to really because she's already been to City. Would she want to go back or would she want a different challenge? But then it's who would give her that challenge. Chelsea maybe. But I'm not sure. And, and also like you say about her being a very determined player. I think when you're... Where, it's different, isn't it, for Lucy Bronze and Izzy Christiansen because Lucy Bronze, you know, plays in every single game and is, you know, starting Champions League finals and stuff. So you can kind of, you can take the fact that you're winning trophies and that's the main aim that you're there for. So that's enough. But if you're Izzy Christiansen and you're not starting every game, you're on the bench in the Champions League final, that kind of thing, then you're going to want that team spirit and, and something else to kind of, make it fun and make it worth your while and, and to be having fun whereas if it's all based on winning and being in the team and you're not in the team then you're, you're not going to be happy really are you so I think it's different for both of them and, and like you say Aaron that she does she does seem quite happy and then and settled so I yeah I, again also I would like, I'd love to see her come back but not it won't be for a couple of years I wouldn't have thought thanks for listening to the podcast it does make a difference if you listen all the way through to the end so thanks for doing so we're at the end of episode two now episode three should be next week there's a lot happening even though there is no football the women's game is rather few where there is actual talking points except for the belarusian premier league so it's a good one for us to do the podcast on again go and check out the website we've got articles on there check out time warp we'll be back next week for another podcast and thank you for listening